0: a couple of years ago that I, like so many others, over the course of the past several years, sent in a small little sample of my saliva to uh, 23andMe. Those who don't know, it's one of those organizations that will take some of your DNA and give you a map of your ancestral heritage. And from that, I realized, I guess, which I already knew that mostly English and French and then taking some of that information and going to Ancestry.com and looking into my family tree to sort of investigate where I came from realizing that DNA is part of who I am. I inherited a lot of traits from those individuals and generations that came before me. Part of who they were is part of who I am today. And I mentioned this because I was thinking of it, or at least it came to mind as I was preparing for today's homily, for the celebration of the Solemnity of All Saints Day, a day where we celebrate all of the individuals in heaven who are considered saints, those we know their names and those that we do not know their names, the generations that have gone before us. And so sort of, I guess, that insight that I received this week was that, yes, indeed, we as humans inherit certain traits genetically through DNA, but there's also a truth in the realm of spirituality, that we also have spiritual ancestors, those individuals that are closer to us and possibly those that are further back that have passed on part of themselves to us and what I call the spiritual DNA, those things that mark us as spiritual beings, as Christians and Catholics in our world. We know this is true from looking at our relationship with the saints, particularly those whom we know. We all have the influence of a particular patron saint, or a saint or saints that we have devotion to. They form part of who we are. So I, as a Catholic, many of you know of a devotion to St. Therese of Lisieux. Her DNA from her spirituality is part of who I am. And within orders, the founders of different orders, the Benedictines, or the Jesuits, or the Dominicans, they leave part of their spiritual DNA and those who follow them, members of the order, those who are formed by them through their charism. So I was taught by the Dominicans. I have some of Dominic's spiritual DNA, and I've always had a great devotion to the Carmelites. But also the authors or the spiritual writers that we love. For me, Cardinal Ratzinger, Jacques Philippe, Hans von Balthasar, they all leave their mark. And in all of us, people could look at us who know the tradition of the church and be able to see the genetic mark, that spiritual gene from these individuals that are left within us. But there's also another subset of people, those who are not necessarily canonized saints, but those who have gone before us, or those possibly who are still in our lives, who have given birth to us spiritually, have practiced spiritual paternity or maternity in our lives. And so just like our parents give us their genetic code and their formation of us growing up, hopefully, they leave us some spiritual DNA and their nurturing and their loving and the upbringing and teaching us in the faith. But all of us can say in our own lives that there could be a priest, a religious sister, a catechism teacher, a mentor or a or a friend, or that individual who called us out of sin to a deeper conversion. They all leave their mark on us. We all inherit their DNA. And so spiritually, we can have a number of people who give birth to us in the spiritual sense. And what they taught us, the example they gave, it helps to form our own spiritual outlook, our understanding, an approach to the faith in the world. But it's not just what they taught us or the example they gave us. Probably, more importantly, it is in the way they loved us. The way they received us and, in doing so, taught us to love ourselves and to love our others. We really get that greatest influx of the spiritual DNA from the love we receive from those who are closest to us. It informs the way that we love others. We take a strand of that in our own lives. Think of the individuals that were loved by Mother Teresa. Not by what she said or what she did, but when they were sick or when they were dying. The impact, the mark that that love left on them. And I really think in my own experience, the tragedy of those who feel unloved, or find it difficult or they struggle to love or to pursue holiness is because many of them, although they get the genetics from their ancestors on a biological level, maybe have never been loved unconditionally, maybe never been taught the faith, maybe some of them have been abused. And so as a result, they don't know how to give it themselves. But we all have it. We can all look at our lives and see where we came from, what I'll call the spiritual family tree, and even more to think in that regards. Yes, there are the people that we know who influenced us spiritually, but then there was the generation before that influenced those people, and another generation that influenced those people. And so, in a certain sense, all of those strands pass down to us over the generations. It might be a good prayer project to sort of make your own spiritual family tree. Those individuals that passed on their spiritual DNA to us who formed us in prayer, who formed us in love, and who formed us in our spirituality. We can't just look back on this All Saints Day to see those in heaven and those on earth who have influenced us, the ones who will become future saints, God willing. We need to look forward because guess what? We have our own spiritual DNA. We have our own genetic strand that we are called to pass on to others. And so we ask ourselves through our own prayer, through our own love, through our own evangelization, what are we doing to establish our own spiritual tree to bear fruit to leave mark of our love and our spirituality on others do we actually desire to leave a legacy something that a lot of people talk about they want to leave their imprint they want to leave their mark on the world in a very secular way but do we have a desire to leave a legacy of spirituality through evangelization teaching catechesis and loving what is our spiritual family tree going to blossom into when we look from the other side of eternity to look down at the generations to come will we see a genuine spiritual fruitfulness all rooted in that spiritual dna we pass on this idea of spiritual fruitfulness is important Not only because we recognize the importance of physical fruitfulness, of bringing forth new life into the world, but also that spiritual fruitfulness. And that's the deeper mystery of the gift in the church of chaste, celibate love. As a priest, myself and those who are called to renounce the good of marriage and that physical fruitfulness for what? Not just for the cross, but for the sake of spiritual fruitfulness. We gave up being physically fruitful to pass on our spiritual DNA. Whether it be me as a priest or religious sisters or consecrated virgins, whatever it is. And today we're celebrating or beginning National Vocations Week. It reminds us of the importance of that chaste love, that celibate love in our world, particularly for those people I mentioned before who maybe were never loved unconditionally, who never knew the love of a father and mother, who've never received it from their parents. Those individuals who renounce the good of marriage for the sake of the kingdom and spiritual fruitfulness can give an example of that love and can pass on their spiritual DNA. I've talked about this before, but this idea of spiritual fruitfulness and the effect that we have on others and generations to come is very important as we round out the church's liturgical year, looking forward to the beginning of the new year in Advent. And we look forward to the coming, the second coming of Jesus, the, the return and the final judgment. It's a question that people have asked before. Does it Does not make sense? We know that when we die, we are going to be judged according to our deeds. Heaven, hell, purgatory, depending on how we lived. But we also have a general, a final judgment that comes at the end of the time. We're not going to get a new judgment. We can't all of a sudden be in hell and say, I'd like to go to heaven. It's going to be the same thing then why isn't it redundant why do we have to have another judgment at the end of time well cardinal Ratzinger explains this beautifully It's because we and our actions in this world have an effect on others after we die our deeds continue to bear good fruit or bad fruit i'm going to give you a quote where he sort of explains this truth That's sort of a long one, but it makes sense. Quote, Even though the definitive truth of an individual is fixed at the moment of death, something new is contributed when the world's guilt has been suffered through to the bitter end. It is at this point that one's final place in the whole is exhaustively determined, after one what might call the solidification of their finished state of all the effects of which one has given rise. Thus, the completion of the whole is not something purely external to the individual, but a reality which determines him or her in the most interior way, Unquote. Which means that even though we are dead, the good effects or the evil effects, the spiritual DNA that we leave in the world continues to build up us in an interior way of who we are and who will be seen as in the whole, at the end of time. Think of Saint Francis of Assisi. He died over 700 years ago, but millions of people still go to Assisi every year. So many are influenced by him. Imagine his spiritual fruitfulness. His glory will only be able to be fully determined at the end of time when you can see the impact of his spiritual DNA throughout the course of history. And so we've got to ask ourselves, how as our life the seeds we plant those spiritual dna strands that we pass on to others in our life what type of fruit is that going to bear what is our position going to be in the whole of the body of christ at the end of time and so finally in wrapping this up just as we can trace our own physical genetic dna back to our ancestors We can trace our spiritual DNA back to one person. That one person is Mary, the mother of Jesus and our mother. Because in that chaste way, in that beautiful way, she gave birth to Christ. And of course, Christ would have inherited her complete DNA strand because he didn't have the chromosomes coming from a biological father. But as a human, she was loved and formed by Mary. So when you look at Jesus, and when you look at the way he taught and the way he acted, you should be able to see an imprint of Mary and, of course, of Joseph in his spiritual existence, in his humanity that goes along with the divine that is present there in the divine person of the Son. And so it highlights, again, that spiritual fruitfulness, the importance of it in our world, and since we're all grafted onto Jesus through baptism, we become adopted sons and daughters and able to call God our Father and Jesus our brother, we're also marked by Mary. And we continue to be marked by Mary because she is our mother, continuously active in the world. And so, by having Mary as our mother, we have that imprint in our own lives the Marian imprint of being loved by that mother so pure, and that we can carry that into the world. And so, as we celebrate this All Saints Day, we give thanks to those saints who've come before, particularly the Blessed Virgin, who has left their spiritual DNA in us and ask for the grace to be able to be spiritually fruitful in the love and the teaching and the formation that we give and the seeds we plant for generations to come. Amen.